Welcome to Two Dope Boys in a Podcast. I'm Phil McKenzie. I'm Michael Brooks. On Point is where we highlight someone that's getting it right. And really excited to be joined today. And I'm going to annoy Michael. Mm. Because Here it is. The man joining us, Mr. Leonard Dixon, is coming. That's Hail. not the annoying part. That's not this the annoying part. This is a good man right here. This is a good man right here. Not annoyed. Fellow Howard alone. Oh, fuck. Yes. There you go. <laughs> the real HU. The real and only Wait, did you just come through like that too? Maybe you're not as good as I thought you were. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I had a great HU moment. And and first I'm going to finish with Leonard. Leonard comes to us from Hypebeast. Yeah. Brand partnerships over there. Brother, great to have you with us. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Thanks for being here. I had a a great Howard moment before we go further into talking because I I would watch the marathon every year. Yes. So I live over in Fort Greene and it comes right down Lafayette. And I cheer on everybody. It doesn't matter, like, any person running. I'm just, like, giving them that New York, Brooklyn love. Yes. And I saw two women running. They had, like, Howard shirts. And I gave them, like, the H-U. <laughs> and they came back with the, you know, like, oh. in all of their marathon running out of breathness. And so to them two sisters running, shout out to y'all. Definitely. <sighs> all right. Hey, dude. Uh, all right. Except all right. I don't know. I don't accept it, but I appreciate it. That's the best. That's the most justifiable story you've ever told about Howard. It just gets excessive at a certain point. Come on, dude. I can't help it. It just if gets it's excessive. Just, just dope, I mean, right? Learn minimalism. Mean, yeah, the Howard alumni minimalism. are really, you know, doing a lot of big things out here. Exactly. So yeah, it's just, minimalism. It gets annoying because it's, it's a lot of alumni are very, very successful. Yeah, all around the country and vocal. Yes. And See, it's very, the very vocal, vocal part, not yeah. the successful part. Yeah, successful is great. I partake in Howard's mm-hmm. success. One of my collaborators, <laughs> right here. Thank you. <laughs> so, Leonard, let's just just jump into it, man. Because yeah. I was saying off mic that hype beast is super dope. Yep, super cool. Mm-hmm. And you guys are almost too cool because yeah. I can't keep up with just everything that you guys write about and talk about and showcase and highlight. Yeah. So. You're obviously in the organization. Like, walk us through a little bit to some of our listeners that might not even be familiar with yeah, that brand. Like, yes, tip us to it. Yes, I'll give you guys a five minute elevator pitch. Not too long, not too short. We'll take it. But so, Hypebeast was started by Kevin Ma, and he started in his dorm room. He was going to college in Vancouver, similar to Mark Zuckerberg. And at the time, back in uh, 2005, he was blogging about the sneaker culture, and at the time, it was very it was very underserved. Like, and the word hype beast was derogatory. And if you look up hype beast in the Urban Dictionary, it says um, sneakerheads who rock, you know, dope shit to get props, essentially. And to Kevin Ma's credit, he took the term hype beast uh. and turned it into a positive term, which is today. And he left Vancouver in college when he graduated, went uh, back home to his home country in Hong Kong and China and established a company there. The company now is publicly traded in Hong Kong. Uh, we have a, that's where our headquarters is. And we have an office here in New York City. Um, we have an office in LA and an office in London. What does well. a company actually tell people how to model and how the site works? It grew out from that sneaker culture yeah. writing yeah. and it's expanded like the shoe is the tip of the spear totally. for the whole culture yeah so 
I mean, so a lot of people come to the site because of the sneakers, also the fashion. Right. Right. And, um, you know, people, well, the streetwear culture right now is the hottest market in the world. Definitely. Uh, you see that with Supreme. And when you see kids waiting online, you know, for the uh, for Supreme releases, or you see kids waiting for sneaker releases, right? A lot of people call those kids high beats, right? Mm-hmm. You know, these kids rock a lot of this well-known luxury labels, right? But, you know, that's, 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 that's streetwear, and everyone wants to tap into that culture, right? Because this audience is one, is very um, overly jealous about the products that they want, and they'll, they'll wait for weeks and months just to get it, and the price tag doesn't matter. They'll spend, you know, from the Louis Vuitton Supreme release, they'll spend $5,000 on, on, on a duffel bag. You know, right. and, and so so we serve that audience, we educate them. So we get like we get over three hundred requests from brands and PR agencies to post their their press releases or you know, clothing or sneakers that's coming out. And what we do at Hypebeast, we carefully curate only about thirty to forty posts per day. And also we syndicate that across our social media feed, which is you know, Instagram Facebook and Twitter. Right. And, you know, we're known for our aesthetics. Right. We're known for our aesthetic eyes, right? So we so we we're very good at the images that we shoot internally, on um, the content that, that that we put out to really engage our audience and to get people excited. Like we just we were working with Jeff Staple on the pigeon release last week. Right. Uh for his his he re released the pigeon dunk and he did a release at um, extra butter and low east side and you saw the frenzy that it created and we were a big part of that from a uh so from a media outlet tr- trust you guys for your eye for your instinct for your honesty about what you're going to put before them what's the difference when you're talking to people on instagram facebook or twitter um maybe snap too if you guys yeah. mess around with snap yeah. What are we doing in those different places? Like I do a lot of news and politics work as well. So to right. me, like Twitter, Twitter makes sense because Twitter is informational. Yeah. You know, Instagram is obviously aesthetic and kind of pleasant yeah. presentation. But and and I think, but I guess what I'm saying, but people are not used to being, at least in my experience, like people don't want to be sold to on Twitter as an example. So no. people have an, and people don't want to be sold to generally. But I think particularly on some of these platforms, it's like. Why are you coming at me with a pitch on an information platform? Yeah. Or maybe why on Instagram are you intruding me with a pitch on a, you know, kind of like I'm just looking at food and girls platform. Right. So right. it's easier for you guys with Instagram because the images you have are right. amazing. Amazing. But yeah. on across the board, what are you doing on those different platforms? How yeah. are you talking about it in different ways? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, one thing. So we, um, we had a, a meeting recently at, at Instagram. Right, and we're one of the most most trafficked um, pages on Instagram, and the reason why is that because of our you know images and aesthetics, right? We're not um, we we're not overzealous with the images that we that we post, and we're, we're carefully curating that. So we do a lot of um, dark posts, right? right? So whereas we're not laboring it, we're not putting on labels on it, we're not saying that we're not we're not adding anybody. Uh, we do these dark posts with some beautiful images, and it's very it, it, we get high engagement. 
and and the way that we keep on pulling people back is that one is that the stuff that we post it is it connects to them so if you're posting uh a, a cool kid on on battery with a cool aesthetic look you know we're just posting that that moment and that's getting a lot of engagement because the garments that he's wearing represents some items that that user might want to get like mm-hmm. oh that's a cool look i like his his john elliott's you know sweatpants or i like his uh, his new era rock aware supreme collaboration hat right but the way that we put it together gets those type of engagement and then on facebook we kind of we do the same thing so we we post a lot of a lot of these dog posts and then like you know hypebeast.com is a hub where everything gets connecting where you kind of you put the images with the wording, with the editorial together, that really amplifies everything. And I think Michael makes a, a really good point because when you mentioned this idea of trust, like when I was listening to you and you're talking about how you guys have built this community, you've built this this following and it's global, you know, but then on the flip side of that, the people who are like the fashion folks, the PR folks, they want to they want access to that, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. you're figuring out how you take, you know, by your estimation, hundreds of potential items that you can highlight and post and talk about, but yet you you narrow that down to like thirty to forty. Yeah, I mean, and, and so, so real quick, what yeah. I wanted to to get at is like, how do you guys measure or how do you balance like that incredible amount of supply, right? Which obviously this is a business, right? Like totally, you someone out there can make that argument that the more you guys just take the product and post stuff, the more right. money you make, right? But right. then people wouldn't trust you as much. Exactly. So, so to your point, Phil, like, so people trust us, but for the brands, every brand nowadays wants to be cool. Coach wants to be cool. You know, wanting to be cool isn't cool, right? <laughs> trying to be cool, right? And they're like, and they know working with hypebeast will bring that credibility to them, right? So everyone's coveted for that. You know, everyone's trying to reach millennials, and that's our audience. So, you know, you know, for us, we have to be careful about that. So we can't one, we, you know, our our, our readers will call us out if they know that something's not authentic. They're like, oh, this is not authentic. They'll call us out in a heartbeat. So we gotta be, we gotta work that, walk that careful line. But still, you know, from a business standpoint, you know, you know, we still try to work with a brand that might not be uncool. That might be might be uncool to some of our our readers, like maybe like an American Eagle. But but we try to you know change that perception around, right? And the way that we do that is is we'll take their DNA and come up with our own strategy of how to convey their message to our audience to make them be cool. So maybe like we might suggest um, how, how to shoot, you know, the new collections coming out, um, how to, you know, how to on, on social media, how to express their messaging in a very authentic way. But we come up with that internally with a strategy on how to do that. So, so that's how, you know, they become a trusted your source to our audience and you know i'm gonna because you mentioned american eagle right yeah like totally. you know not to pick on american eagle yeah. but 
you know, I think there's something to be said about that sort of legacy brand that might live in one space, right? But wants to potentially transition to another space. Like I think about Carhartt, right? Like, yeah. you know, when I was coming up in the '90s, like Carhartt. For those who don't know, it's a Detroit-based brand, yep. and it's really comes out of construction, right? Yeah. Like folks who are on real construction sites. And for what it is, it's very yeah. good. Yeah, it's built it's to great. actually it built to last. Great. It's the great work brand. equivalent of like yeah. Patagonia. Yeah. You know, like a yes. brand that is literally designed to actually perform right. in real conditions. Yeah, yes. it's yeah. it's it's heavy, durable, yeah. keeps you warm, like the exactly what you would think that winter construction person needs. Yeah. Carhartt does. Yeah. You know, but then it made that leap when I was coming up, when Biggie started wearing Carhartt yeah. and a lot of like New York City rappers at that time was rocking Carhartt. So yeah. even though it had one purpose f- traditionally from the brand positioning, it transitioned into another and became kind of cool as a hip hop. But brand. don't you think like, there's a through line there? Because there's some sense of like, you know, a guy like Biggie's like it's gritty. It yeah. works. Yeah, it's consistent. There's a certain There's environment yeah. that you're yeah. still in. It's cold outside. You're putting in work one way or another. There is a <laughs> yeah. through line. Yeah, it makes yeah. it does yeah. make sense, right? Yeah. So, do you guys see those those sorts of the through line opportunity? Those yeah. through lines, you know? Yeah, we do. So, like, we you know, well, that's so the, that's what we do as a team. So we try to find what that synergy is, right? So what's that synergy for American Ego? What's that synergy? For a brand like, for a brand like Coach, you know, what's that synergy for a brand like New Balance, you know, with our audience, right? And what we what we find is that, you know, to reach our audience, they need us to kind of you know coach them or tell them, you know, what's cool, what's not cool, and and sometimes what we do, we we'll go into into that brand and kind of and like un discover stuff right so you might take some certain like silhouettes from like a new balance and colorways and be like these are cool this is mass our aesthetics we're gonna shoot this we're gonna do some content video around this we're gonna do some influencer seating and then to really to really highlight your brand in a different light so we we do that so we might work with a celebrity we might work with an influencer but we work with celebrities influencers that are in our space so we're not gonna work with like, you know, I don't know, like a Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. but we would work with an ASAP Rocky. Well, you know? well, most definitely. You know, ASAP Rocky. I would work with an ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky, <laughs> right? Just to be clear. Yeah. yeah. You know, so ASAP Rocky is you know high beast. Yes. And he fits our aesthetics, and I know that our audience will engage with that. We'll engage with some content around with a brand with ASAP Rocky. So we we try to we try to we try to match that. The best way possible. If you connect this to like we we are always trying to c- connect these things to larger themes. And right now, you you mentioned New Balance. Yep. New Balance got into some trouble during the campaign, which they could have avoided actually if they handled yeah. it not even that radically differently. Basically, they were the only sneaker company, as far as I know, certainly one of the only ones that opposed the Trans Pacific trade deal, which. There's a lot of reasons in my mind to oppose it. I, I, in fact, I do oppose it. 
but the way they allowed it to be presented on their end was that they were kind of endorsing Trump and his stance yeah, on trade that. versus generally opposing trade deals that are generally favor corporations over people, the environment, yeah. so on, so on. So you work with a brand like that, and you might be dealing with an F-up that they had that yeah. we call the brand F-up. And then I'm also thinking like a space, especially like sneaker culture or something, which you wouldn't necessarily, although I think it always has been political in certain ways, but you wouldn't necessarily think of as being political or in opposition to certain currents in the larger culture. But right now, like sneaker culture is about as antithetical to like the vision of the world that the present White House has right now. Right. So you start to get into this whole bigger conversation with these brands where it's like, I guess what I'm saying is, when does being cool start to become even more complicated? Because it might actually mean potentially that you have to make a stand. Yeah. It's I mean, a whole other <clears throat> layer there, right? Well, like for one thing about us, we're not, we're not Team Z. So I'm saying, when I'm saying not Team Z, we don't, we don't pose about, you know, gossip or right. anything like that. If you, if you go to highpeace.com or any of our social media, clean. we're very clean, clean, right? So we're not political either. Right. So we're not like a vice. We're not political either. So, you know, we, we avoid that. So, you know, when people, when people come to our platforms, they're not coming right. looking for, you know, what's our stand on these issues. We're, we, we, stay, we stay clean. We, we, we talk about you know, what we know about. You know, sneakers, fashion, lifestyle, art, and we stay focused on those categories. We don't, we don't, we don't dip into political. We don't dip into celebrity gossip. We stay far away from that stuff. Gotcha. But even, <clears throat> even without having explicit stands, mm-hmm. which I think is your point. Yeah. The fact that that you do embrace a certain style, a certain lifestyle. Right. There's going to be certain artists. If you're working with an artist or a celebrity right. or influencer, they're going to pretty much fall into a category of being authentic to your to your um, viewers and and you know all the people who who participate with hypebeast. So, you know, I think what's interesting to your point is that the politics don't have to be explicit, right? Like if right. you that that choice between working with ASAP. Right. Versus working with Taylor Swift is in and of itself maybe somewhat political. Not in the binary of Democrat, Republican, but like what right. you stand for, what your audience is going to respond to. If someone went to Hypebeast and saw, you know, a Taylor Swift drop that's being advertised, it's kind of like, that's weird, right? Like, right, right, right. That would seem odd. Right. Given right. what we know of Taylor Swift. So I, I would think that you guys are somewhat comfortable with sticking to your cultural norms right fair no that's totally fair um but to your point too is that you know even if you work with an influencer or a celebrity we we, you know we don't take on that celebrity's view i i see a point with the correlation behind like if this celebrity is taking a big stand let's say j cole he's taking a stand or something yeah you know do we still but we want to talk about it so Mm -hmm. when you read that editorial post Mm-hmm. We're not talking about his view. We might be talking about a J. Cole collaboration with such a sort of brand or J. Cole, you know, did this art piece. So we kind of we still stay he's clear of that of that angle that or that, or that even or even that avenue. 
you know, we yeah. we we stay true to you know fashion, sneakers, lifestyle, art. We stay true to that music as well, but we stay true to that. We just we we just know that as a company, we can't once you go that route, um, then it's opens up a you know a whole worm can of worms. So we we stay clear of that. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask about the global nature. Yeah. Yeah. Of this, you know, because I, I that's always what's like a, a source of pride and 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 astonishment that that streetwear street culture is yeah. so global it is and it's it's everywhere you know so for your headquarters to be in in china yep and then you have these offices in other major cities around the world all pulling together all these different influences all these different places where people are making their own spin on things like how is all of that how much of that is just baked into the dna of the company and how do you manage all of that because like i said yeah. as someone who's a fan it's overwhelming yeah. so i can't imagine for, for you guys. <laughs> yeah right 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 yeah you know like i mean let's just talk on the first part right so sweetware culture is a driving force right now in fashion right you look at you look at a company like supreme who just got recently got investment of 500 million dollars in their company you know what what a lot of fashion brands realize is like limited releases is is the way to go. And Supreme is is at the forefront of that. They've been doing that for the longest time. They've been doing these li- limited list releases. They've been doing these collaborations. And what a lot of fashion brands are realizing is like, wow, this is you know they're creating this hype, this buzz. You know they have the kids waiting online. They have people reselling. So the resale market is just as huge. And you know, to your point, globally, globally, um, you know, in Asia, you know, the, the resale market is big in in um, South Korea, China, Japan, and it's just as, just as big in Europe and just as big in North America. So, as a company and having these offices in different parts of the world, we cover that. So we we go out daily. We, you know, our writers are constantly researching, covering, interviewing. Uh, influencers and people, you know, in those parts of the world who's making an impact, and we and we kind of like cover that and present that to the audience, and we do that very well. So to your point, we do that very well because you're like, wow, there's something going on in in South Korea, there's something going on in London, there's something going on in Paris, something going on in Italy, and you know, and we're covering everything. So we're we're like the Bible for you know someone to know what's cool, what's hot. And what should they actually cop next? Yeah, I need my passport stamps up. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. I'm feeling jealous. I mean, I, this is, we, we're going to have more conversations, hopefully, with you. And this is a lot to open up for as we start to move to the end. But yeah. a little bit more on that $500 million coming in. I mean, like, yeah. what about this kind of change? And we're talking about, Phil and I were talking about this before. Like, yeah. that's the other next edge of this. As it's the most desirable, you know, way to be fashion-wise in the yeah. world, the money's coming. The money, what does that mean? Yeah, the money, too. You know, like the resale market really drove that, right? So when you look at a Supreme, you're like, it, it resells, you know, five times, two times its value. And there's been documentaries on this. Uh, there also, there's also there's been a lot of individuals that I know personally that have a multi-million dollar business off of this reselling yep. um, clothing and sneakers. 
right? So the resale market, like Flight Club, which you're probably familiar yeah. with, that's a hundred million dollar business. Yeah. Stadium goods is a hundred million dollar business. Yeah. You know, so the resale market is so huge, and it it all all that drives the streetwear culture, right? The streetwear culture right now is is the space that you know the amount of money they're spending is just as high or even higher as a luxury brand. And so a luxury brand like, you know, traditionally like Louis Vuitton, Christian Dior, and brands like even Gucci, brands like that are saying, okay, how can we tap into this audience? They're they're spending, you know, a lot of money. A lot of money. And they don't care what it is and they're they want it. So you know, who can we work within those space? What designers? What brands? can we collaborate with to reach that audience in a very authentic way, right? So they're trying to tap into that to that space, right? And then particularly a brand, right? You got, you know, CPG companies, you got, you know, sneaker companies, you got different companies, you got, you know, you know, you know telecom, technology companies. Is music. Like music, right? Yeah. How can we tap into this audience too, right? right? And that's where, I'm trying to bring it back to this, that's where Hypebeast comes in. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, we kind of, yeah. so yeah. we kind of figure it out. We kind of figure it out out for for each of these, you know, different sectors. Of so life. taste is never not going to matter either. That's something yeah. that people always got to remember. Yeah, we're I always, mean, we 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 are the cultural navigators always. Yeah, on the I mean, show. like I mean, I mean, you guys are both marketers. You remember back in you remember like five years ago that 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 buzzword was tastemakers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I still never even understood what the fuck that is. Yeah, it's like yeah. The sounded makers. like an annoying person. It was, that was telling annoying, me yeah. what I should like. And my response yeah. was, "Take your taste, get the fuck yeah. out of my face." <laughs> right? But the, you know, the tastemaker yeah. now is is if you want to call a tastemaker, but the, the the kid now who people want is that kid waiting online, yeah, for that product, right? Because that kid is going to spend four five hundred dollars on that one item. They want that, yeah, and they're hustlers, you know, and like hustling. Either they're super aficionados. And they want the item themselves, or to your point about the resale, they want to resell it. They understand how to turn this into like a real business. Business. You Anytime know? you have an ecosystem like that around a culture with resale markets, culture that is organic and self-generating, you're yeah. gold. And you can't replicate that artificially. That comes from culture, or it doesn't. Right. Like it's organic, or it isn't. Period. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. These these subcultures now or are huge yeah. right before i mean i remember like 10 years ago or even more so right when people said sneakerhead you know people you know like girls were like why are you buying sneakers for <laughs> yeah. right right why are you buying those sneakers right <laughs> and now it's like because i make multi-million dollars off these resale sneakers yeah. you know i mean this that guy's- reminds me of uh, <laughs> bill burr and, I, and i'm sure that these were not that well these these advertisements mm. they got in trouble with those those like virtual uh fantasy sports leagues games and their copy on blog reads or not on podcast reads would be like you know this guy made like a half million dollars doing fan and, and they you know they got right. in trouble because they were really they were yeah. lying yes yeah. let's, let's not play <laughs> around 
But Bill Burr did a funny, like, you know, some dude being like, and this goes out to my girlfriend who left me. You know, like, he did this thing, like, the chick leaves the week before the payday house. She's like, I just can't take it anymore. All you're doing is playing games online. <laughs> Gets out. One week later, he's like, oh, I made a half million dollars now. Yeah, now yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was a good bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, but, like, to that point, to your point, it's like, your your passion now pays your bill. Things that you really love to do pays your bill, right? And you know, to to that point, I think that's amazing, right? Yeah. If you were to, if you were if you were a sneakerhead or someone who's loving fashion, and you're like, well, you know, I I'm not this amazing designer, right? But I love fashion. How can I be a part of it? And now you're being a part of it, right? Because yeah. you're you're buying these items. You're you might have your own you know eBay store, and you're now you're selling it, right? Yeah, the barriers are to entry are lower. Are right? lower now. And Dyer's. I think everyone can participate. You know, like yes. even as as someone who, like I said, struggles to catch everything. Yes, it's like at least there's like a common a common place where everyone gathers. Yes, and and gets yeah. this information, you know, and yeah. um, and it's beautiful. I mean, I think the no, it's a beautiful website. Yeah, it's the site yeah. always website. looks good. Yeah. Um, and I liked that. I liked that ASAP Rocky. Yeah. I just was looking at it today with that he breaking up the fight with the fans, making them hug each other. Yeah, that's real sweet. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm a yeah. big, I'm a big ASAP Rocky stand. Yeah. So I felt it was ASAP, one of those moments where for I, the people. I felt really <laughs> vindicated. Yeah. Um, hope you come on again, man. No, thank hey, you so yeah, much. Thank you guys for having me. helping me with my shopping list because they had uh, um, a couple months ago y'all featured this um, Newmark mini um, DJ controller. Yes. And I was like, word. Are you, <laughs> are you guys going to get, uh, do you guys still like the Yeezys? I There's two drops coming up. One on like the 18, one on the 24th, the 350 boots. So one is a yellow, a bright yellow. Okay. It's another one dropping in the 24th, so. All right. Uh, yeah. Preview info. Yeah. Info. All right. Insider. Dope boys. <laughs> Dope boys with the previews. Brother. Thank you, man. Thank Thanks you so much for coming man. on with us. Thank you, guys.